Alright, you know the drill, and here we go. Welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Joined right across from me here in the hotel room is the one, the only, Jack Foster. Jack, what even time is it right now? Do you know? Um, I took my watch off. I had to I had to look just now, actually. I knew it was in the 2 o'clock hour. I knew we hadn't gotten to the 3 o'clock hour yet. It was 2.51 a.m. Eastern here in Miami. We are... Just defying nature, I guess, is the yeah, word right now. Just I, being awake and doing this. But hey, we're here. Tennessee won the Orange Bowl. We got to talk about it, right? We can't waste any more time. No, got to get to it. No, can't waste any more time, man. And what a game it was. You know, by the way, we have a ton of great content right now. It is all over RockyTopInsider.com. It is on the Rocky Top Insider social medias, which you can find at Rocky Top Insider on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. We are everywhere, and we're putting up our Orange Bowl content like like Jack said a second ago. But, Jack, you know, I, I think about this game, and, man, you and I have been here in Miami the last couple of days getting ready for this game. We have done pregame podcasts. We, we've done pregame videos. We thought this game was going to go one way, and, frankly, it went the other way. I, I really thought this was going to be a game where it was more about Tennessee's offense, right? It, it was going to be a shootout a little bit. I thought that both teams were going to end up in the 30s. And at the end of the day, only one team ended up in the 30s, and that was Tennessee winning by a score of 31-14. to 14. Let's just start with the first half. The defensive effort by Tennessee in the first half, Jack, we talked about it, right? The bend-but-don't-break defense was going to be imperative. We saw that. Throughout the year, at certain times, I think you know I think about an instance against Pittsburgh, right, when Tennessee did not break for that final drive in overtime that the Panthers had. I think about other times in the year, but boy, did Tennessee really find success with that bend but don't break defense in the first half. Yeah, they did, and uh, I think it was seven, all seven possessions Clemson had in the first offense had gotten into Tennessee territory. Six of the seven had actually gotten into scoring range to where they could have kicked a field goal. And all six times they tried to put points up on the board. Very first time being the the um, failed fake field goal attempt. <laughs> but every other time, and then at the end of the first half when Kate Klubnick made a horrific error. But yeah, the the three misses from B.T. Potter. B.T. Potter became like, a household name tonight <laughs> yes. for the wrong reasons. And you know, the thing is, is I don't know how familiar people are that we're watching this game for Tennessee's sake about BT Potter, but he's actually been one of college football's best kickers over the last three years. I think he, I think he holds all the records for Clemson's like kicking, um, all time. One or two, yeah. And he only missed three kicks all year, and then he missed three in the first half against Tennessee. I mean, he was just cold at the wrong time. And in Miami, you like kicking conditions, it's. It's primo. Yeah, the wind it, wasn't blowing. It was perfect. I talked to Chase McGrath after the game, and obviously McGrath did not have to do much, but I, I yeah. kind of did. You know, said like, I mean, what is it kind of like kicking in Hard Rock Stadium? And he was like, mm, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. So I, I did find that fascinating, and I wonder what Chase McGrath was thinking about that on the other sideline, right? As a kicker mentality, and who knows, maybe we have a, a former kicker out there who's listening to the podcast right now who can chime in on Twitter, but certainly he became a household name for the wrong reasons tonight. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's his last college football game. So uh, I'm pretty sure he's a super senior, if, I, if I'm correct on that. Uh, he'll, so he'll not a good still, way to go out. Probably still go play, make plenty of money in the NFL. Yeah, I'm sure fun. he's headed. But still, though, a, a crazy a crazy first half of the game for, for BT Potter. But really, just going back to what you said, man, I, I really felt like 
the game was the, the momentum kept staying in Tennessee's favor, even though they were letting up yards, right? Like right. you said, even though Clemson was able to move the ball into not just Tennessee territory, but scoring tennis, uh, scoring territory on the Tennessee side of the field. But at the end of the day, man, Tennessee's defense was able to 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 put down a stop. And I think one of the reasons for that, Aaron Beasley, he was phenomenal tonight. Yes, he was, and uh, he lived in the backfield on multiple occasions, especially in the first half. I know he had two sacks. I think there might have been what we thought was a third sack originally counted as just a tackle for a loss. Maybe they count as a Klubnik run, but either way, he was giving Cade Klubnik fits all first half long, and he continued that into the second half as well. Really just the Tennessee defensive front. You could throw Byron Young in there too, but on the defensive side of the ball, Aaron Beasley was the MVP, a career high four TFLs on the night for 24. So yeah, just incredible performance. You know, Aaron Beasley, a couple of times there, he was rushing the quarterback like a 2021 Joe Milton 10-yard hitch, like a cannonball, <laughs> right? I, I mean, he was flying at the quarterback. Just a really good performance Dude. from him. Did he say anything interesting in the postgame? Um, not really. I, you know, the questions geared toward him were like, hey, how did you prepare for Club Nick? And you know, it was just kind of, okay, what you you Nothing jumped out, Okay, if I'm going to put it that way. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Beasley put together a great game, and you know, Klubnik took a lot of hits early on in the game, and a lot of that was due to Beasley. He was under pressure, under duress a lot, and I really think that hurt Clemson's offense going into the second half, and it made them kind of change their philosophy, because I think Kate Klubnik was starting to struggle with all that pressure, and they had to run the ball a lot more, and considering they were down in the game, that was eating clock. I don't know if you noticed, but the second half was much shorter than the first half, because mm-hmm. Clemson was having to run the ball a lot more. They were trying to lean on Will Shipley, and they weren't scoring quick enough. It, they eventually ran out of time, and then they got really out of their element in the fourth quarter, and it just started to become Cade Klubnik throwing prayers right into a sea of orange or white of Clemson and Tennessee players both, and nothing was ending well for Clemson, and it all stemmed from that early pressure Tennessee was able to establish and able to live in the Tigers' backfield, and Aaron Beasley, the biggest reason why. Yeah, maybe a story for a different day, but I, I was not impressed with the Clemson coaching uh, throughout the night. I mean, you talk no, about the, their, the, their drive at the yeah. end of the first half, which was dumbfounding, right? How they did not, you know, and I don't exactly remember it, but man, to not even have an attempt to get into the end zone, that was one thing, the well, fake field goal at the beginning. Yeah, the fake field goal to me is mind-boggling to start the game off that way. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Now, like I could have understood that if it was like on BT Potter's third attempt and he missed the first two. But then there were other times when you think, hey, maybe Clemson will go for this fourth and five. And then <laughs> they bring out BT Potter again. So the coaching decisions on fourth down were really troubling from Clemson's sideline. And at the end of the first half, I didn't like the decision to clock it on the first and 10. I don't know if you remember they clocked it. And then the penalty, the delay of game penalty, okay, that's right, yeah. backed him up five yards. And then that's when they had like 11 seconds and Klubnik ran, right? Like yeah. that, yes. I don't think that was the game plan. The game plan had to have been uh, throw the ball out of bounds if it's not there. Klubnik probably thought he could make something happen. And it was just a uh, rookie mistake. So. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, let's move into the other side of the ball for a minute. Joe Milton the third. It's weird that we're about you know anywhere from five to ten minutes into this podcast, we haven't necessarily talked about Tennessee's starting quarterback, considering how much we talked about him leading into the game. But man, I, I thought this was an impressive game from Joe Milton. Was he perfect? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. You know, actually, Joey Halsley talked about that after the game in the locker room. 
He said that, you know, hey, we don't expect these guys to be perfect, though. But what we do expect is for them to go out there, be able to lead their team, and continue to grow throughout the game. I felt like Joe Joe Milton kind of implemented that today. I thought there, yes, there were moments that maybe he'd like to have back, maybe decisions that he would like to have back. I can think of one in particular in the beginning of the game where there was an easy first down he could have ran for but didn't. All of those things, though, I, I felt like con- continued to come together. And at the end of the day, man, he put together a solid performance uh, somewhere around the 250-yard mark, threw for three touchdowns. Man, those passes over the middle were really good. But I, I, at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot to talk about Joe Milton for the offseason, right? But I do feel like at the end of the day, you saw Joe Milton play a full game against a top-10 team, and I think that you can see the growth that has happened over the last two years. We all know that, hey, quote-unquote, Bazooka Joe has the arm of a, uh, just has has a cannon for an arm, but I felt like there were times where you saw the touch come into play. You saw a little bit of precision. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did he have an overthrow that you can remember off the top of your head? No, I do do not remember an overthrow, and I frankly only remember one bad throw, and it was to Keaton on a third down. It was just low. Yeah. So that's the only bad throw I remember that too, yeah. Yeah, I could count on one hand the mistakes I think Joe Milton made tonight. He was really good, 19-28, 251 and 3 no, no turnovers. And this was his best game as a Tennessee Volunteer, yes. pure and simple. Good point. And he led Tennessee to one of their best wins in 25 years. So he, like like we said, this he was the X factor. He had to go out and show that he can do it, he can lead this team. And he did just that. And he has a huge leg up on the competition going into next year. And I think his confidence is sky high. I think so too, and you could really tell that just coming, you know, we, being able to talk to him after the game. You got to talk to him in the press conference room. I got to talk to him just outside of the locker room, and yeah, I think we both got the same idea. This was a guy who who had confidence coming into this game and just needed a stage to prove it. I think that was my biggest takeaway: is that man, Joe Milton has been ready for this opportunity. Maybe yes, uh, we have seen mistakes throughout the season. We, we remember some from last year, but at the end of the day, this is a guy who is ready for this opportunity. He was going to be put in a position to succeed based on the scheme he just needed to go out there and execute the plays I feel like at the end of the game we can look back and say that's what he did yeah and it's really like he's knowing when to throw certain passes right like the yeah. Brew McCoy in the back of the end zone you know you got to fire oh. it in there and throw it a little high to where Brew can get position did just that and then with Squirrel White kind of the same thing you got to hit him in the numbers when he's in stride did just that and then Ramel Keaton hey he's wide open why would I try to throw this as hard as I can? We've seen Milton do that a lot of times. Sure. But he didn't. Touch pass, nice and easy. Keaton, easy touchdown. That is the growth you want to see out of Joe Milton heading into next year. Yeah, it, it certainly is. I, I think that was a tremendous job by him. And, you know, we, Josh Heibel talked about it before the game. He said, hey, look, with the opt-outs, there were, of course, some injuries as well. There are going to be opportunities for guys to get in this game and, and opportunities for guys to show what they're made of. Without Jalen Hyatt in the game, Squirrel White was one of those guys. I I don't know if you have the the stats for him right there, but I mean, man, no Jalen Hyatt in the game. Squirrel White really proved his worth. I, I wonder if there's moments in the in the Tennessee coaching room where they're like, and you know, I I don't know what we're gonna do here, but let's just kind of send Squirrel out deep and, and see if Joe can throw it as far as he can and see if they can connect because that it seems like that's not a bad game plan. But either way, Squirrel White got an opportunity to shine. I, I thought Ramel Keaton, man. Who, who has been a steady, reliable receiver throughout the uh, year. He had a couple opportunities here and there. And then, of course, Joe Milton, maybe the, the biggest of them all, taking advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, I really think you can say that Tennessee's passing offense, especially everybody all around, took advantage of their opportunity. Squirrel White, nine receptions for 108 yards and a touchdown against a defense like Clemson's. True freshman balling out like that in a New Year's Six Bowl. 
I mean, that's impressive stuff. And Milton and Squirrel White, I guess you could say White started against Vanderbilt, and of course Milton did. But tech, like this that was their, not a throwing game, right? This was their first real start, right? Yeah. All season long together, and you really saw that connection, that chemistry, and that could be, you know, potentially Hooker Hyatt 2.0. I think White plays similarly to Hyatt. We saw him get peppered early in the game as kind of just a dink and dunk receiver. You know, he can torch defenses yeah. deep, and if Milton can play both sides of the offense like that as well. You know, this could be a really dynamic duo. Yeah, you could tell that Tennessee was just trying to get the ball in his hands at the beginning, and then eventually that started to stretch out down the field. Another reason why I think eventually those passes started to hit a little bit more, I think you, you saw Tennessee's offense find more rhythm, I, I think less rhythm in the middle of the game, more rhythm towards the end of it. One of those reasons was because the running game started to work. Uh, can you go ahead and read out the, the totals for Jabari and Jalen? Yeah, Jabari had 11 for 38. He did get the touchdown, but Jalen Wright was the more impressive back yes. on the ground. 11 carries, 89 yards, really putting the game on ice at the end, getting first down after first down in the running game in the fourth quarter. It was stagnant in the first half. The running game was, but Jalen Wright brought it to life there in the last quarter. No doubt about it, man. I, I think there are so many things that are going to fire up this Tennessee fan base heading into the offseason. Whether it's Joe Milton, whether it's the the passing offense that looks to still be uh, still going to be potent next year, maybe whether it's the defense, right? And Aaron Beasley, who who looked like a juggernaut in the middle of the line, Tennessee's pass rush was was great. Byron Young, I want to talk about him, even though this was the last game that we've seen Byron Young play in a Tennessee uniform. Although we will see him in a Tennessee helmet as he's going to the Senior Bowl right here in All a right. couple months. But as far as his Tennessee playing days are gone, uh, are are as far as they go. They're over and done with. But, man, did he leave a statement coming out today. We talked to him after the game said that, you know what, this game was our legacy. This game was the one that we knew we wanted to win because we know that people talk about the defense. When we win, people still have bad things to say about the defense. And when we lose, people put it on the defense. He knew that the, the he was basically saying that, hey, the defense knows we got to go out there and prove it because we know we can do it. I, I thought, like we talked about at the beginning of the show today, that's exactly what they did. So plenty of people to, to, to kind of shout out, plenty of people to give credit to uh, along the defense tonight. Byron Young, to me, certainly one of those players. Yeah, and it's, this is a Tennessee defense that was on the field a lot, and they played at a high level. 101 plays for Clemson. So wow. they, they were out How there a lot. How many passing attempts did uh, Klubnik have? Over 50. I get you the exact <laughs> amount here. 54. He was 30, 54 for 320 and no scores, two picks. Um, wow. But, yeah, so Tennessee's defense was on the field for quite a bit. Byron Young came to play a couple of sacks of his own to go with Beasley. So a couple of TFLs. Byron Young went out the right way, and this is an example of how a player can not opt out, can choose to play in the bowl game, and still improve your draft stock. Yes, I, I thought that was example. huge. He absolutely improved that today. Yeah. You know, it, just a, a, a force of nature against a, a solid Clemson team, and man, made Cade Klubnik's life uh, challenging and stressful tonight, and uh, painful. He, Klubnik probably has some some. Bruises and welts to, oh, to ice down tonight. I saw him post game. He came in sleeveless, and his arms were just welches everywhere. Wow. He is going to need an ice bath. Yeah, I, I can say that. <laughs> Jack, it is late, my friend, but any kind of final thoughts, final takeaways? Now, me, you, and Ryan are going to come back very, very soon and kind of talk about what all this means for the off season and stuff like that, but just any kind of final takeaways on the Orange Bowl tonight right here in Hard Rock Stadium? Yeah, if we're talking about the game, I mentioned the total plays 66-101, to 101, and Tennessee still scored a Clemson. Wow. 31-14. to 14. And did you know, fun fact, Rick, that Paxton Brooks tied a career high in punts tonight with seven. <laughs> and Tennessee beat There were a Clemson bunch of three and outs in the middle of the game. Like, 
that, it, you know, you can point to Clemson putting up a lot of yards, but Dabba Sweeney said it himself, you know, yards ain't points. Tennessee's defense prevented Clemson from scoring points. You can say Clemson made their own mistakes, sure. But Tennessee's defense came to play tonight, and yeah, their offense wasn't firing on all center all the time, but they did enough, and Tennessee got a huge win. Yeah, if you're going to take the defense for your last point, I will take the offense for mine. Uh, again, just kind of want to reiterate the thought that I think that Joe Milton really proved, really showed his improvement in this game. And you're right, this wasn't a game against Vanderbilt where it was in the rain against lesser competition. This was in primetime conditions, right, for everybody involved against a solid Clemson defense. Again, I feel like this was the game that proved that Joe Milton has been ready for this opportunity. Yes, we have seen struggles in the past. We have seen decisions and throws and moments that he would probably want back over his two-year career, but it's all kind of led up to this moment. I felt like he really wanted this opportunity to prove he, he's back in front of basically his hometown. Mm-hmm. He had countless and countless Josh Heibel countless family members and friends in attendance this was his opportunity to shine to leave a lasting note heading into the offseason to leave a positive taste in people's mouths for the offseason and I think he did just that with a lot of pressure on his shoulders as well because frankly I think that looking around the country Man, people kind of expected Clemson to win this game because Tennessee was putting in their backup quarterback because of injury, because Clemson was going to a new quarterback that they wanted to go with. I think Joe Milton had more pressure on his shoulders. He came out and he played well uh, despite you know, despite anything that would have been going on, despite a little bit of trouble there in the middle of the game with some three and outs. Still, though, was really able to pull everything together, lead Tennessee to that 31-14 victory in impressive fashion. Indeed, Rick, and as Josh Heupel said, the future for Tennessee football is freaky bright. Yeah, that's a real quote, by the real way. Real quote. Real use of words. Freaky bright. By head ball coach Josh Heupel, yeah. That sounds like one of those, you know, like, you know how the current Skittles commercials, this is how you know it's late, you know how the current Skittles commercials like kind of look old school and they have this kind of old school feel? It just feels like, no, wait, I'm thinking of Jimmy John's. <laughs> that's just freaky fast. Uh, yeah. Cut the check, Jimmy Johns. Freaky bright. Uh, but that's what they say. They go freaky fast, and, and the future for Tennessee is freaky bright, according I mean, to Josh Heupel. I mean, hey, they just put together the first 11-win season in 21 years, so off to a good start, right? Seven yeah. wins to 11 wins, year one to year two. Yeah, that I'd is. I'd say it's freaky bright. I'd say so, too. I'd say so, too. My friend, I am freaky tired, <laughs> but we don't. Yeah. We, we still got work to do, my friend. And you and I both head to the airport here in a couple of hours, so I, I don't even know if we're going to get to sleep tonight. But either way, man, this has been a... Uh, That's what it's all about, right? Uh, yeah, this has been one heck of an experience here in, in Miami. I, I am appreciative to... Uh, Tennessee Athletics and the the communications department for all the hard work that they put into it and just making our lives a lot easier during this game and, and giving us great a, you know avenues and, uh, and and routes to follow but ultimately just a wonderful wonderful weekend here in Miami Tennessee football closed it off with a massive bowl win against number seven Clemson shout out the Orange Bowl for having the buffet at 3 a.m. when you come back to the hotel yeah that's pretty nice I mean I think that's the Orange Bowl putting that on so hey pretty nice Capital One Orange Bowl media. Rounds of applause. We appreciate you. Everything you do. Hey, that right there, that is Jack Foster. He is RTI's newest star. We are happy to have him. Ryan Shumpert will be back on the podcast soon. I know people are missing him, but he he was out on the Twitter machine today. He was doing an incredible job covering it, and you can go and find his work. You can go and find Jack's work, and you can go and find my work all on RockyTopInsider.com. Make sure you are following along RockyTopInsider on all five different social media platforms. We are at RockyTopInsider on Twitter, 
Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Hey, make sure that you are listening to this podcast right now. You are subscribing to the show. Hey, football season might be in the rear view. Basketball season is just now heating up with SEC play, and who knows, before before we even know about it, baseball is going to be here as well. So the RTI Press Pass podcast is not going anywhere. Make sure you're subscribed, and what would really mean a lot to us, if you gave us a five-star recruit rating on the show, that's what we love to see. We love reviews. We love comments from you guys. It, it is always appreciative, but now I think I'm rambling because it's 3 o'clock in the morning, so... What do you say we go ahead and close this thing down and get out of here? Lock it up. Let's Let's do it. Hey, for Jack Foster, I'm Rick Butler. You've been listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. We will see you back next time. We will see you back in 2023, right? That's right. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody, from the Rocky Top Insider team. Be good. We'll talk to you all soon.